0: Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast, a podcast devoted to adding value to your career or candidate search, brought to you by VIP. I'm your host, Casey Haston. I'm an executive recruiter, director of recruiting with VIP, and you're all around hiring guru. And you know, I love to bring you extra special guests each week to share how to increase your mindset or just you know, find that better job and find that culture that you're looking for. And today's no different. So today on the show, I'd like to welcome Dr. Elia Gregoris, founder of the Happiness Center and founding partner of the Global Institute for Thought Leadership. Dr. Elia's mission is to make the world a happier place by helping C-suite leaders and their teams achieve their highest potential and create an empowering culture of accountability, productivity, and happiness within their organizations. Dr. Elia, I am so excited to have you here with us today.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: And we were just chatting, like the first time we talked, you were not even in the U.S.
1: I was in Europe in the middle of the pandemic. i know, kind of (laughs) crazy, but life is too short. So do not procrastinate your happiness. That's my motto for today.
0: I love that. That makes so much sense. And, you know, and I think after we talked and you kind of shared some of your wisdom on happiness with me, I've really kind of taken that to heart and I'm not putting anything off anymore that, you know, I, you know, so many people say I'll do that when I retire. Right. I'm not doing that anymore i'm making moves now and i'm much happier for it so thank you already
1: you're welcome and i, and I think too often people live in the future right uh when the kids come or when the kids leave the house or when i get this raise or when i get that job or when i retire and if the pandemic has taught us nothing more than the fact that there's no guarantees in life mm-hmm. none of us are guaranteed we'll be here next year even next month and i'm not being morbid about it i'm just being realistic so, as a result of that, live your best life now, live your happiest life now, and, uh, and, and just enjoy life because uh, life is very precious, isn't it? Okay,
0: show's over. That's all you need to we know. know. <laughs> <Michael. So> I, <laughs> I like to start the show talking about how we got connected. Um, I think it's so important that people manage their connections and work on their connections, right? So, do you remember how we got connected?
1: i am guilty i don't i was going to ask you that off thanks a lot for putting me on the spot (laughs) especially (laughs) after i asked you not to put me on the spot earlier right (laughs) how do we get connected tell me i I wouldn't mean to ask you that
0: um i believe if i'm not mistaken we were connected by the fabulous berta medina
1: oh of course of course and she's the great connector i mean berta is is amazing yes the great connector she
0: is she is and i have met I met her through another great connector that I just absolutely adore. And he has started a um, networking group and there's like all these great connectors that are coming together. And I'm like, how did I get in here?
1: You know? Well, you know what? That's one of the blessings of uh, 2020 and the pandemic and people working from home. A lot of them working, you know, I spent half my life on zoom and LinkedIn basically, but I met, I've met more quality people, including yourself, including Berta this year, through these networks and through these connections. And I would never be on this if life was back to normal. So that's one of the things that I'm grateful for, for for 2020. It's, you know, everyone has to be flexible and we'll talk about flexibility later on in the show, but be flexible and great things happen in life.
0: Absolutely. So let's, what, what inspired you to create the Happiness Center?
1: You know what, I was finishing the first half of my career when I was a clinical psychologist in private practice. I loved it. I got burned out towards the end. And I was thinking about what to do next. You know, the great Greek philosopher, Aristotle said that happiness is the whole purpose and meaning of life, the whole aim and end of human existence. Now think about that statement, happiness is everything. And uh, you know, I'm the happiness doctor. So I thought about creating the happiness center. It it was just an, an inspiration that I had an idea. I didn't even know where that would lead. And it's really attracted other thought leaders uh, around the world that I collaborate with, and we try to help organizations uh, employ engagement, productivity. We'll talk about all that stuff, but <laughs> happiness, I'm really passionate about it on an individual level, but also on an organizational level.
0: So, and I'm going to toss one out there that's a little bit different, but can a person realistically expect to be happy all the time?
1: No, I don't think that's realistic. I mean, even, and I'm, I was kind of born happy and I, happiness is my my natural state of being but we all have ups and downs in life and, and that's normal and if we didn't have those, i don't think we would appreciate the happiness and the mm-hmm. joy that we have in life so the da- let's put it this way i've learned more from setbacks more from disappointments more from when things did not work out than when things were going well so i really value the fact that uh, we have adversity in life as a matter of fact i say we're all graduates from the university of adversity all of us and that's the university of life in essence.
0: Oh, I like that. I'm going to so steal that from you. University of adversity.
1: I love it. Isn't it true though? I mean, if, if, inevitably all of us are going to lose loved ones. Eventually, you know, we're going to lose our grandparents initially and our parents at some point, And, you know, God forbid our sibling or significant other or even a child, which happens, you know, tragic. Best friends, we're going to suffer from physical ailments. I'm not even counting the pandemic, you know, mm-hmm. cancer, heart, you know, diabetes, and all that stuff. Financial strain maybe underemployment, unemployment, bankruptcy for, you know, we're all going to suffer from some of those things. And that's part of the adversity of being in this life. Now, the question, of course, is, is it possible to be grateful in the midst of adversity? And that's the key. That's what differentiates happy people from unhappy people because when everything is going well, to be grateful, that's easy. That's a piece of cake obviously. But how about when you're facing adversity, can you still be grateful for the lessons learned?
0: You know, I'm so glad that you brought that up because I think a gratitude practice is so important. And I do think that a person will tend to be happier if they have a gratitude practice, right? And I know personally, you know, each morning I write down a minimum of three things that I'm grateful for. And I try to do the same thing in the evening and book in my day with gratitude so that, you know, it just sets your day up right and it, it sets your night up, your sleep up well, too.
1: I mean, you get extra credit. I mean, you're, you're A+. Plus. I usually tell people do what you know, one or the other. And some people like to do it first thing in the morning before they do anything else. They write three things down they're grateful for. But other people wait until the very end of the day, and they reflect back and say, you know, what transpired during the day that I'm really grateful for? And they do it that way. I mean, there's no right or wrong way. The fact that you're doing it on both ends is even, is even better. But uh, And remember, you can't be grateful and depressed at the same time. It's physiologically impossible because when we're in a grateful state, there are chemicals that are released in our brains that counterbalance, you know, depression. And so you can't be, and that's the quickest way for me to go from being down to being happy enough is to, uh, to be in a grateful and, and do it mindfully, like consciously. What am I really grateful for? That list, by the way, Casey is endless. You could write three things every day for 365 days and not have them be the same thing. That's how wide and vast gratitude really is if you think about it.
0: Yeah, and now that you say that, I don't think that, I don't recall writing down the same three things ever in my journal. So I I think you're absolutely right. Although I will tell you morning fires in the fireplace are my favorite. Just totally grateful for those. (laughs) It's the little things, right?
1: <laughs> of course, and the fact that you love it and you appreciate it, because not everybody has that every morning, as you right. know. Right. So Be grateful that you have access to it. Absolutely,
0: absolutely. So, so we know happiness is important on an individual level, but how does employee happiness affect a company's bottom line?
1: My God, it's huge. First of all, you know. Let's start with the fact that happy people tend to be healthier. I'm talking about physically healthier, which means that they miss less time from work because they actually show up and they're healthier. They're not depressed, they're not stressed out, they're not anxious, Um, they're more creative, they're more innovative. I actually think they're better teammates because if my batteries are full, and when we talk about somebody who's happy as an individual, that means they practice Mm self-care greatly Meaning they take care of themselves physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. So their batteries are full for the most part. Obviously not perfection, but most days they're that way. As a result, they have extra to give to their teammates and lift them up with positivity and optimism. So they're better teammates. Um, they're so they're more collaborative. Greater retention, less turnover because they're happy. You know where they're at, and as a result of that, they're more, they're more productive. Well, if you have a employees that are more productive that clearly impacts the bottom line which is makes the company or the department or the division more profitable the funny thing is that i started preaching that when i started the happiness center back in 2005 and this is before a lot of the studies you know harvard and gallup and all the great studies that have been done they hadn't happened yet so a lot of my clients were like you know dr elia we like you you're a nice guy you don't know what the hell you're talking about i pay these people to work and i get to work because i didn't have the studies to back me up now my my work is a lot easier now because all the studies i've done and obviously there's a direct link between happiness and corporate wellness and that's my expertise in in uh, in productivity and profitability for an organization so
0: Well, and I can tell you, I've worked in companies that were very toxic in the past. And it was so funny because even right before I came on this podcast today, we have um, one of our teammates that works remotely because he moved and the company didn't want to lose him, so they allow him to work remotely. He moved out of state, but he came back into town and he came and worked in the office today. And I mean, we were just laughing and cutting up. And it just, like, it felt so good to have him back in the office. Not that we don't laugh and cut up, but it was just... It was just so welcoming for him to be back and so i can definitely see you talk about the you know how the happiness affects teamwork and collaboration but why do you think that is
1: i I, I just think because people that are happy come from an abundance mentality meaning Mm. that if i share my knowledge and if i help somebody else and make the team stronger you know, that's going to benefit everybody rather than having a scarcity mentality, which is like, I'm going to work in my little silo and not, you know, and not collaborate or it, it talk to anybody else in the office. And I love the fact that you talked about toxic environments and toxic cultures, i want to ask you a question. Why do talented people, talented employees leave companies? Why do they do that?
0: Um, well, I can tell you why I left. Cause I was miserable.
1: Exactly. Because you were in a toxic environment and that could be because they never truly leave companies. They leave their manager, their, mm-hmm. you know, their boss or their, because it's unsustainable and they don't want to work under such an environment. And, you know, the senior leaders should be shocked. It's like, what? Casey left? How did that happen? How did we lose her? Versus saying, you know what? There were hints along the way and you were ignoring those hints. And at some point people have had enough and they take off.
0: Absolutely. You know, and and the place I'm thinking of right now was back in my accounting days, you know, before I switched to recruiting, and I would literally cry at work. It was so bad. And I didn't even make it a year.
1: Nobody should cry at work. No. Um, As a matter of fact, there's, there's a great conference, a global conference coming up at the end, almost a year from now, next December in Europe, called Happiness at Work. And some of the greatest minds in the corporate happiness and wellness will be speaking there. And that is the whole idea, right? What impact would it have let's let's give a simple example usually when people get off work you know back in the day when we could actually go to work and come home but imagine that you know we're back to that they come home from work they walk into the house and their significant other says how was work today honey oh it was terrible it was like me miserable i was so stressed out i can't stand it you know that's the energy that that person brings into the home with maybe perhaps even little kids listening in that's one scenario now let's take the happiness at work scenario drives home is being asked the same question. How was work today, honey? And what if their response was, you know what? I had a great day today at work. I collaborated with one of the best folks ever. We came up with these new ideas, you know, innovative, creative. I can't wait to go to work tomorrow. Now, what will the energy be in the home for the rest of the evening?
0: Oh, it's gonna be Think so high.
1: Exact night and day. And that's why we're investing. I'm gonna be speaking at that conference, actually. It's in Belgium, uh, December 13th, next year. And I mean, People from Harvard, I mean, some of the top minds in terms of happiness, because we want to create um, happiness at work to become a, something that's talked about every single day. I know we talk about employee engagement and we, you know, we kind of flirt around it and in corporate wellness, but we want to talk specifically about what is the impact when you have happy employees and they're happy at work? How does that impact the rest of society outside of work? Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. So, and I'm going to apologize for just one second. Never happened before on a podcast, but my phone is in here and went off. We'll just mute it real quick. Talk about Rookie. That's okay. That's all right. 82 episodes. It's never happened.
1: (laughs) Um,
0: So, all right. So you talked about there were the warning signs. Like when I left that toxic employer, and there were hints. So what can an employer, or how can an employer identify when their employees are unhappy, and what steps can they take to resolve this?
1: So in my in my last book that I that came out this May, which is Seven Keys to Navigating a Crisis, I I created a personal health assessment for employers to give to their employees. That it's basically twenty questions. You know, five questions for your physical health, your emotional health, your mental health, and your spiritual health, which actually gives you an idea. You know, there's the total score, of course. And this is on a scale of one through five, five being I'm doing great, one I'm totally stuck at it, or whatever. You know, three is I'm doing it sometimes. The employer will have if 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 they want to uh, you know help them, see, you know, what areas are my employees struggling? Maybe somebody's really struggling emotionally and mentally, and then they can do something about that to help them. Maybe they're struggling physically or maybe even spiritually. The biggest challenge right now across the globe in organizations, the number one challenge is this to ensure the physical and mental well being of their employees. Mm-hmm. That's challenge number one. If you look at HR, this comes from senior HR leaders across industries, across sizes of companies, and across the globe. Casey, that even wouldn't make the top 10 in the past. And that's number one, that's the biggest challenge right now. The second challenge of course is, you know, how do we improve employee engagement, productivity and effectiveness, which which is normal, but you can't get number two until you ensure that number one is fixed. So employee happiness and wellness, both physically and mentally, right now it's at the top. So once you have the assessment, you know what areas you need to help somebody with and you provide them the the resources. The one thing, because I work during the pandemic Um, you know, when I, when we wrote the book, we actually wrote it for individuals to help individuals. We never thought that companies and organizations, uh, would seek us out. And Mm -hmm. I want to say about middle of June or so when the first opening of the economy began to happen after the first lockdown, we had companies reach out and say, we need help. We don't know what to do with our employees. They're traumatized. They're upset, PTSD, they're stressed out, they're depressed, they're anxious and so on. And, you know, the first company that reached out to me that I this they said come in was Bank of America in New York. And they said, can you just can you do like a presentation, a webinar, how to navigate this crisis for our employees while they maintain their happiness and engagement levels? And I'm like, sure. So at a thousand employees, you know, I did my thing. They liked it so much that they now have made it available to all 200,000 A employees across the country. And I don't say this I mean obviously that's a great compliment but more importantly the need is great people are really really struggling and to maintain employee morale even during a crisis is it possible it's it's just as possible as being grateful in the middle you know being the university of adversity story that i shared with you it is possible but it takes work i mean it's not magic but you can't be passive about it you have to put your self-care first i mean that's one of the, the main keys how well will you take care of yourself and senior HR leaders need to be doing that to their employees. Specifically, when I train them, I said, even if it's remote, when you check in with your employees, don't ask them how they're doing. They're all gonna say, I'm fine. And they, they, there's gonna be silence. Close the door, lean into the camera and say, how are you really doing? Mm-hmm. How's your family? How's your spouse? How are your kids? What can we do as a company? Or what can I do as your HR you know, director to help you out? And furthermore, so in other words, be authentic and be real and caring and more empathetic than ever before. The other thing about senior leaders is this, they need to show up with complete transparency and vulnerability. What does that look like? It looks like if, if you're my employee and I'm your director, Casey, I'm gonna lean into the camera and say, you know what? I've been struggling too. Mm. This pandemic has been really hard. I've been kind of depressed and, you, know, you know, I mean, usually don't get that way, but I've been down too a few times. The loneliness, the isolation, I miss seeing you guys in the office. I miss walking around and checking in. It's been really hard as leaders. We need to do that moving forward. Not like everything is fine with me. How are you doing? Loser so it can't be like <laughs> that. I, I know they wouldn't say that out loud, but you know what I mean? We have to show up the way that we want. If we want our employees to trust us and to, to open up to us, we have to be open. An open heart and an open mind and be vulnerable and real and they will respond to that i promise you that
0: I, I love what you said about being vulnerable because you know there's a big movement about that right now with Brene brown and she's done so much research on it you know just like you've done so much research on the happiness you know just finding that place of happiness so so your best selling book, Seven Paths to Lasting Happiness, focuses on creating a roadmap to lasting happiness. How can someone take the steps to take accountability for their own happiness in their professional career?
1: You know, and I love that. I say if it's to be, it's up to me. <laughs> in other words, like if I'm if I'm not happy, I can blame. It's very easy to blame other people. And as a matter of fact, Uh, in terms of navigating a a crisis of any crisis not just the pandemic of financial any crisis even at work there are usually four personality types you know the first one is the victim and the victim like why is this happening to me poor me right the second one is the critic and the critic will criticize whatever the company says or does whatever you know the federal state or local government the world health organization united it doesn't matter they criticize everything a simple silly example of course is Ilya, used to wear a mask when you go outside. Well, that's stupid. Okay. Ilya, never wear a mask when you go outside. What are you trying to do? Kill me? <laughs> you know, so no matter what they do, they criticize everything. Then you have what, what we call the third type is the, the bystander. Mind you, a good person, but the deer with the headlights look, they're so overwhelmed by all the changes that are taking place that they don't know what to do, so they do nothing. They might look to the left, to the right, look at the neighbor, but they're frozen in fear. And what all three of these personality types have in common is they don't offer a positive solution. They don't take any responsibility for their lives and whether the victim, the critic, or the bystander. Now we come to the fourth personality type, which we call the navigator. And the navigator is somebody who f- takes responsibility for their lives, starts with a positive attitude. In other words, this too shall pass, whatever this is, whatever the crisis might be. And they practice self-care like, because the responsibility is on who you to make me happy no i'm responsible for my life and i'm responsible for my career um as a matter of fact successful people in business and in life have the same disappointments let's say make the same mistakes that everybody else does but they do three things differently this is what differentiates them from everybody else number one they take personal responsibility for whatever happened this is on me Nobody put a gun to my head. I made this decision. I own it. So they own it. Number two, they learn from it. Mm
0: -hmm. So they
1: don't keep repeating the same mistake over and over again. And number three, which Casey, I actually think number three is even more important than one and two personally, they have the ability to let it go. In other words, they don't carry the mistakes and the disappointments from 2020 into 2021, or from last month to next month, or from last week to this week, or from yesterday to today. I own it. I learn from it, and then I let it go. And therefore, they move forward in in their business, and in their life, unburdened. They don't carry this dead weight from things that happened in the past. And that's what makes them more successful than somebody else.
0: I'm like having such a hard time sitting still right now because everything you're saying, I'm just like, yes, yes, yes. So <laughs> I love what you're saying about all of that, and you know, and I I, I like to. Th- I would like to think that when you talk about those different personalities, that I am the navigator and that I do these things. But I will tell you that third one, letting go, that's a toughie. That's
1: but you toughie. know what's beautiful about this is, and this is my, now my psychologist hat on those four personality types exist within each human being. It's not like I'm the navigator all the time. For example, when the pandemic hit in March, you know, I speak internationally all over the world about happiness. You know what happened in one week, all my speaking engagement got canceled mm-hmm. one after another, canceled again. And you know what? I had the bystander look, i was like, what am I gonna do now? Like I was frozen initially and I, and I, and I felt like a victim. Like, why is this happening to me? I was supposed to speak in Barcelona in October, which I ended up doing the conference in, but it wasn't Barcelona, I did it here in Zoom. Not quite the same. <laughs> <Not> quite <laughs> the same. <laughs> and have I been critical of the government from time to time? Of course I have, but here's the thing. If I'm critical for six, six months, I rob myself of happiness. If, if I'm frozen for two weeks, I rob myself of, you know, if I play the victim and the violins come out and all that stuff, who am I hurting myself? So what I did is I navigated, I pivoted I, I through flexibility again and wrote this book, seven kids navigating a crisis, which has become a great hit in an acclaimed book. I wasn't planning to write a book this year. That was, that wasn't even part of the uh, equation, you know, but that's what you do. You you through flexibility and adaptability, you switch and you become productive.
0: Well, well let's talk about your new book for just a second cuz we're almost out of time and I definitely want to address it. So, the newest book, The 7 Keys to Navigating a Crisis, focuses on developing more resilience and flexibility yeah. um, to face challenges. So, I you kind of alluded to this earlier, but why is flexibility so important?
1: It's the key. If, if it's not that the strong will survive a crisis, it's the flexible. And the analogy that I use is use the oak tree and the palm tree. So the oak tree is this massive, huge tree, tall, been around for a hundred years. But in a, in a storm, if there's enough saturation, enough rain and enough wind, what happens to oak trees? they come crashing down on cars, people, homes, right? The palm tree on the other hand, relatively thin, will bend and at the peak of the storm, and I'm talking about even the storms of life, sometimes it will bend all the way parallel to the ground. But when the storm passes, the palm tree rises up again and survives. And that is symbolic of our lives and how we live our lives. And so people have said, Dr. Ilya, well, what is an Oak tree? I understand the analogy. I like it. It's very visual, Mm -hmm. but what is an Oak tree in human terms? What does that sound like? An Oak tree person is a person that says, well, that's the way things have been done around here for 40 years. I'm not going to change now. This is the way I do things. Well, you know what, during the pandemic and other crises, if you're not flexible, you're going to fail. You're going to be left behind, but the flexible not only will survive the crisis, but will thrive through the crisis.
0: That is so good. There were like, so think, I mean,
1: think about that. No, think about it, what I'm saying. So I'm asking you guys to be palm trees, not oak trees. Right. Seriously. I
0: And I think, you know, as I look at my career, and I, and I take it back to me because I'm the only one I really know that well, you know, I think about that flexibility, you know, moving out of a career, a 20-year career that didn't suit me and being flexible and nimble enough to move into a completely different career, right? And kind of doing that again now going from, I mean, I'm still recruiting, but going to coaching. And right now there's no better time to be a coach. People right. need exactly. coaches and they want them. But
1: that's because you're listening, you're flexible and adaptable. And I love the word nimble. Those are the people that will thrive during a crisis.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. This has been so amazing. I could talk to you all day and just sit here and just really just stare at you because i don't feel like i've added much to the conversation but it has been amazing but we are going to have to wrap this up i'm going to shed a little tear um <laughs> but i do want to ask you
1: know we got to be flexible we can do a part two at some point
0: <laughs> let's do it we'll do it again so but let's go ahead and get to our vip questions are you ready i'm ready Okay. These are fun. These are just for fun. So, and I'm really okay. curious because I don't think I've had a psychologist on the uh, show before. So I want to see what you say. So. And
1: I'm a, I'm a corporate psychologist. So think about that way now. You know, oh, not boy. the clinical anymore, but the corporate. So, okay. Let's, <laughs> let's hear it. All right. All right. What, do you got for, what do you got for me, Casey?
0: So if you were chosen to be one of the first colonists on Mars, Elon Musk calls you up. What three things or people would you take with you?
1: That's a great question, but that, there's a very easy answer to that. If you're going to be taking part in one of the greatest adventures in the history of humankind, I would take my wife and two boys, my kids, because there I would want to share, I would want to share that with the people that I love the most, I mean, the greatest adventure ever. Right? So that is, there you go.
0: That, well, that was easy then for you. <laughs> yeah. yeah um, I mean, so what's one thing you do each day to set your day up for success?
1: you know what I do and I and I've started doing that even during the pandemic more I want to say back in April I used to walk like three days a week for an hour because I had to. I'm getting older and I got to move and get an exercise it was like I had to stuff part since April I've been walking every single day three miles a day no matter what Uh, I've created a new habit part of my self care because as my stress level increased my self-care had to increase so when I walk and I don't always do it with my phone. Sometimes I just look at the blue sky and I listen to the birds and I take the fresh air and I and I and I meditate or I talk to you know my higher power. I, I just I connect with nature, which is really important to do on a daily basis. And that fuels me for the day. It lowers my stress level. It lowers my anxiety level. And uh, there's something about there's movement, nature, quiet, introspection. Uh, you know, listen to your intuition, to that still small voice inside. That's how I start my day, every day. And I'm hoping that this habit actually continues long after the pandemic is gone. I'm not, like, seriously, every single day I do that.
0: You know, I watched a movie the other day um, called The Miracle Morning. Have you heard of that book? I don't think so. Well, they just made a movie about it, and it's all about the successful routines that people do in the morning. Like We're talking, like, super successful, uber successful people. And there were many, of course, routines that people did, but what they found was that almost every single one of these people had meditation as part of their ritual.
1: Yes. So and I by the way, true. now I do it because I want to do it. Now it's not I have to do it, it's mm-hmm. I want to do it. So there's a whole different energy around that. I Like, it's a non-negotiable for me. I'm going for my walk no matter what, every I, day.
0: I love that you brought that up because that is so true because... When you have to do something, that almost puts a negative energy around it, right? Right.
1: You well, have to go work to out.
0: Yeah. And exactly. now you get to. So right. that's exactly. beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Thank you. So my last question for you is, if your life's work was being summarized in a news article, what would the headline be?
1: Wow. The happiness doctor spreading happiness to you. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> something about that. I mean, something about spreading happiness for sure. Like and that's it. that's my mission in life. My mission in life is to leave this world a better place than I found it. I mean, and I've known that since I was a young man, actually, and I've yeah. tried to live that. To the best of my build is obviously not perfect, but to make a difference in people's lives, in organizations' lives, and just and to me, you know what they say: the extra mile lane is never crowded always go the extra mile. So true. In your relationships, from your intimate relationships, your family relationships, to your customer service, to your colleagues and your teammates at work, just go the extra mile and see what miracles will happen in your life.
0: I love that. And I want to tell you, you've already made a difference in my life. And I'm so excited that I'm going to get to share you with our audience, because I don't think it's fair that I get to meet all these great people and I don't get to share you with everybody. So this is going to be amazing. So how do people find you?
1: Uh, just to go on LinkedIn, uh, Elia Grigors, PhD, The Happiness Doctor. That's probably the best way to, to connect with me is it, my LinkedIn profile. Instagram, I'm also there. But LinkedIn would probably be the best way. And, Our, and my website is Dr. or Grigors.com or TheHappinessCenter.com, either one of those.
0: Excellent. And we'll have that information in the show notes so that everybody can, knows how to spell your name and all that good stuff. So
1: yeah. this
0: has been an amazing journey. And I just have one last thing to say to you. Okay. You are a VIP.
1: Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on your uh, on your podcast. I love your energy and your positivity and your smile Aww. And uh, I even love the fact that your phone rang. I mean that was, was kind of cool. <laughs> it was just dinging. I'm so sorry.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and that's a wrap for today. Join us next week here on the We are VIP podcast. We'd love to know how we can help you be a VIP. To find out more, log on to wearevip.com.